Welcome to Garage Conversation with Char, or GCC for short. My name is Charlene Brisbane, and you are about to listen to a podcast in the second series. The intent of the discussion remains as it was from the start, to inform, engage, and inspire. My daughter Shelby continues to come along for the ride as my producer and sort of co-host. However, she gave up editing somewhere in the first series to Christine, a professional editor. Yes, most of the podcasts continue to be recorded in my garage, weather permitting, or my guest's ability to travel. If you have listened previously, I appreciate your continued support. If this is your first podcast, thanks for giving it a try. Okay, good morning, shall we? Good morning. Today, we are drinking different things. They have a, uh, in, in the development where I live, and they make... Uh, you know, smoothies and stuff like that. So I'm actually doing a smoothie today. Unfortunately, Shelby's order from Dunkin' during the donuts got messed up. So it's all right. <laughs> She's had an iced coffee, which it should have been an iced black tea, but... No, uh, what can you do? Uh, These things happen. It's okay. <laughs> Thank you for being understanding today. But I'm really happy, as I always am, to do another podcast. And this one we're going to be doing on playwriting. And some of you must thinking, wow, you have a talented family. And I think I do. Mm-hmm. And one of my cousins, who actually has been on before, who was talking about authoring, is also a playwright. He is multi-talented. And, and, you know, he's also funny, too. I, I think James could probably have his own show <laughs> on television. James and his family, that would be pretty funny. And, but it would be inspiring, too. But nonetheless, that's a side point. And also, Nakia, she's also a playwright. She's a friend of James. And they come together and collaborate on different um, creative endeavors. So I thought it would be great to have them on to talk about playwriting. I know many people aspire to do different types of things. And it's amazing to me how they just, you know, took their dreams and made them a reality. And they both have day jobs, <laughs> but they still allow themselves to get involved in their creative endeavors. So without any further ado, I want to allow them to introduce themselves, say a little bit about themselves. Of course, being a podcast, everything goes in the air. So, you know, you, you, you say what you feel comfortable about yourself. And then we'll try to jump into getting a little bit more understanding about uh, playwriting. You know, whoever wants to go first. <laughs> Not very formal. <laughs> I'm Nikia Minus. By profession, you talk about day job, I am a nurse. <laughs> but aside from that, yes, I am a playwright as well as a author and spoken word artist, poet. So yeah. Amazing. <laughs> I'm James Comer and uh, my day job is a electromechanical technician, but um I am also, you know, the same thing as a published author, poet. I would say a play. I would say a playwright, but we'll get into that uh, <laughs> shortly. Um, but I do multiple, you know, different things, you know, creatively. So, and I do want to tell this story because I'm not sure I've ever told it on a podcast about about how this all started. Um, I actually was talking to James on the phone about something. And my other cousin, Chris, walked by and said, you should start a pot. I thought you were on a podcast. So it's like, no, it's just talking to James. And then, you know, I didn't think about it, thought about it a little bit more. And it just seemed like as I was praying or something, you should do a podcast. And I was like, really? And because of, you know, COVID, I put that in the, on our website. 
I had time and, and this happened, but because I was having some deep discussion with James, which we do every now and then, mm-hmm. it sparked this whole thing. So I had to give James some credit for that mm-hmm. and Chris for coming up with the idea and Shelby for hanging in there because mm-hmm. I know it gets on her nerves sometimes. But <laughs> <laughs> It is. It, it's, it's definitely fun to be able to, you know, be a fly on the wall for a lot of these conversations. Sometimes I interject, but... It it is it, we do know a lot of really cool talented people. So and the podcast about or the episode about crafting, mm-hmm. perhaps um, as someone who has a um, a degree in, in art and art history, I think about oral story storytelling and archiving um, as something that I don't think we in general or the art world takes very seriously or seriously enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this you know, documenting of, of oral history is really important. So this is, you know, other than just, you know, having a, a forum to commune and, and chat um, with different people about, you know, whatever, it does also, you know, this is a part of our, you know, family history that we now have forever, which I think is really, really cool. And I think we'll, not I think, I know we'll, we'll you know, out, We'll, we'll, we'll be able to be passed down and outlive like all of all of us, which I think is a really cool thing to think about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. No, I think that is true. And a, a good plug for one of the podcasts that are coming up where we, you know, when we sat down with Uncle Cliff and Uncle Brian mm-hmm. and talked about mm-hmm. music. I mean, we we're talking about music, but so more his, so much more history came out mm-hmm. about what they did when they were coming up and things like that. And so. even some things that you didn't know. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. So I think that it's, it's really great. And I know when um, James was in the other podcast, it's already been released talking about authoring and publishing. And, you know, we learned more things about James as well. So good points. But getting back to our topic of the day, playwriting, you know, I just wanted, I think an important thing is to, you know, get, help the audience understand how did you even get interested in something you know, like playwriting. It's one thing to say, okay, I want to act or, you know, I want to write. But playwriting is, is, is a distinct type of art form. So it'd be great if you both could share, you know, how did you get into that? Um, well, for me, actually, it was like in the year 2004, I was, I just awoke and um, I was sleeping and I just woke up and I just had these characters in mind. <laughs> so... I had a spiral book beside me, mm-hmm. a bedside table, and I just started writing. And before you know it, I had already written three scenes, and the tears were falling. I'm like, who are these people? But I just kept writing and kept writing. So mm-hmm. before long, I had finished my first play, which, mm-hmm. interesting enough, I haven't even done it on stage. Oh, <laughs> I, have, wow. I have done other All the plays yeah. you've done, you haven't yeah. done your first play. That's so interesting. Yeah. But I did complete it, but I don't know. So since 2004, just putting that play together, I just start writing even more. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think for me, I actually started off writing a, a feature film script mm-hmm. as opposed to a stage play. Mm-hmm. And so um, I was very much interested in just uh, shooting a movie. Um, and this was in 2002. Um, we shot a movie. Things happen for a reason. Mm-hmm. Three Cats Productions, and that's how I, you know, started to know that, you know, wow. So I, I really didn't think about putting anything on stage until probably a, a decade or plus, you know, later. So I actually started off with just the feature film scripts. 
So how do you compare and contrast that stage versus like video, just since you brought that up? Because I remember you had done two completely different beats, I think. Yeah, really? Yeah, when you're shooting a, a film, you can always uh, say cut, edit, shoot again. Fix it in post. And you can fix it and <laughs> yeah. you say, well, well, you know, edit that. But stage is where it's very unforgiving, but yet it's so desirable, you know, when mm. you... You know, pull off something on stage, especially after you see your, um, you know, your words come to life through other people. Oh. And, and, and so, but yeah, definitely um, two different beats. I think stage is a little bit more gratifying for me. Um, mm-hmm. But as I wrote the, the feature film scripts, I was also just, I was just constantly writing different, you know, just different things. You know, stage play was one of them. I just never knew or, you know, when it would manifest. And, you know, like here, I still haven't put you know, the stage play <laughs> on stage that I started off with, but, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. so. And I think, I think it can be done. I don't think it's attempted often, but like with Fences, with um, Denzel and Viola Davis, I, I, I'm pretty sure that, that they were, I mean, it was a film of a, a play. Right, right. So there was that, but I also believe that they did a lot of that in one take. I might be wrong, but I, I think that it was very important to the director and the actors that they made it as much like a staged production as they could, but, you know, in film. And I think that was very successful. But, you know, again, as someone who has an acting background, I, I do agree that it, it is b- being on stage is a little less forgiving. However, I think people who go and see stage plays, who go and see live theater, you're you're there for a certain experience. So in that case, I feel like while the media might not be as forgiving the audiences. But I think, you know, COVID made that intersection between stage and video come together with, for example, Hamilton. Like when I we watched Hamilton, they like they kept the unforgivingness in a sense because you could see the beads of sweat on one of the characters when they did a close-up. And I think there's another movie play, stage play coming out by the same director. What's his name, Manuel? Lin-Manuel Miranda. Yeah. And, um, but that—that's different, it, though. Is, is it going to be similar or maybe no. not? Okay. Because with Hamilton, that is like you know, and you know this, mom. Like you, when I was younger, and as a theater kid, I I have a lot of live performances on DVD. Into the Woods is one that I I have I've made made you sit down and watch Company, another Songheim, and there are a couple other ones. I'm a big fan of. Um, Jesus Christ Superstar. So I have multiple of their live productions on on DVD. There's that, which is really different than taking a musical, for example, because I think you're thinking of Into In the Heights. Yeah, and and adapting it for film. Okay, yeah, that is different. Yeah, because I think with with film, like there's you can you can show so much more, you know, without like just because of movie magic. Whereas with theater, you kind of have to like, you know, f- figure out ways to to do all of the all of the things, which again, I think is, I mean, just, there's a lot of skill. It's a totally different beast, like James said. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a good point. So we talked about how you got interested, but like sort of what inspired you? I mean, you said you, Nakia, you sort of woke up and had these characters in your mm-hmm. head, so. 
you know, is there other things that inspire you to want to get this on stage and out to people? I mean, what inspires me is pretty much a lot of things. Um, mm-hmm. I could sit alone with myself and just allow myself that quiet time just to think. I always have some type of story in my head <laughs> that inspires me to write. Um, actually, the stage play that I put on Seasons, mm-hmm. um, Tyler good. Perry's film, thank you, <laughs> uh, for Colored Girls actually inspired the writing of that particular mm-hmm. stage play. Just, you know, I thoroughly enjoyed that film. But that inspired me to write, you know, the stage play Seasons and... If you remember, each character had a different challenge and mm-hmm. obstacle, and then poetically, I allowed them to display it to the audience. Mm-hmm. But that inspired that particular play. The play that I last actually did in 2019, when Mama Praise, put it on a skit for your mom inspired me. <laughs> <laughs> so just about anything can inspire me to write. I enjoy writing and, mm-hmm. and storytelling. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think for me it was is more of the theatrical spoken word that always inspires mm-hmm. uh, you know me of being able to do spoken word but act it out. Mm-hmm. It seems like it's so much more creative, and I, I and I felt I can stand before people, mm-hmm. but I prefer acting out the different poems. It seems like if I act it out, I'll flow through it because mm-hmm. I get so much into whatever that poem is. Versus if I'm standing before people, you know, they're still in the back of my mind. I'm not going to finish this poll. You know, <laughs> you know so, um, but my inspiration is, um, you know, it's twofold. It's also ministry as well. Mm-hmm. I, I yeah. found that um, the older I became, that not everybody was going to stand behind a pulpit. And I found that uh, poetry was another way of ministering mm-hmm. to people. Meeting and, um, people where they are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and that, once I saw that that was a... Uh, you know, where God will have me on unorthodox ministry, I was more inspired to be able to write, you know, more poems to be able to minister to people through poetry. Mm-hmm. I was thinking, like, playwriting, it's one thing to pick up a book that's like, oh, this is an interesting book, but you have to keep the audience engaged. So it's a different kind of writing, right? How do you think about that if you don't think about it? You just write and you just say, okay, this is... This is how I'm inspired. We talked about inspiration. Why? And then you just hope those people, actors, even yourself, because I know you guys act in your own place, would draw out, the get the audience captured. Because if you just, I don't know, I I know both of your plays always are have some comedic parts to them. They make you reflect. They, they pull out emotions. Mm-hmm. Wow. So Good balance to have. I, I know when I am writing, I do try to add that humor Mm -hmm. as well as that you know emotion that will kind of be a tearjerker that's good balance to me (laughs) you have to have comedic relief in anything i or even like a a break because if something's just you know heavy 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 all the time i mean it's it's it gets to be too much mm-hmm. and i think even across mediums stage film a book i mean you, if you're reading a book and it gets too much you can just close the book and put it down but like still it's not an enjoyable reading experience and who's to say you're gonna pick that book back up so i think it, it definitely is necessary maybe it doesn't need to be a comedic all the time but even just having that like that break right. for me it's all different <laughs> it's all what's going to make this particular you know, play or, you know, for me, I, I, I put on a lot of productions. I didn't put on, like, Kid 
is more so she'll do the whole fallout stage, <laughs> the stage play, the Tyler Perry play. Myself, I put on several different productions with a series of, of skits mm-hmm. to bring, you know, you know, bring forth that. But it has always been something that has to be different on how I go about it. So typically I write the end before the beginning. So once I know where I want to go with it, then I can fill in and kind of go, like go back. And then that kind of takes me to, okay, it has to start with this, but I like to start with something with a big bang. And I, and I actually give you an example. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the first productions we did, and I saw this at a play in Philadelphia like years ago that my dad took us to, but I actually, um, I was raising money for the, the, the veterans for the book, right. for my very first book. And while I was doing that, I had a guy that I brought with me from Virginia and he was sitting outside in a, in a, um, in, in a uniform, a dirty uniform. And it was, he was actually asking people for money mm-hmm. as they were coming to the, you know, the, uh, you know, the church. Now, everybody's coming into the church as either people I know or people that, you know, had was going to support. And literally nobody gave him any money at all. Mm-hmm. Everybody walked right past him. Now, we're here raising money for veterans, <laughs> but the same veteran. Yeah. And so it was something like that was different because yeah. what happened in the middle of the show is that he bust into the church. Mm-hmm. And when he bust into the church, he, he, he was all part mm-hmm. of it. And I, I literally seen a couple people grab their purse. It was just like that shock element on, wait a minute, hold up. And then he walked up to the stage and he's a phenomenal, his, his name is Bernard Hankins and he's a phenomenal spoken word artist. Mm. And we went back and forth. So we were arguing at first, yeah. all part of it. Mm. And so, but that was just all part of that. And so I think that anything I do, I love the element of surprise or something that's, you know, different that people won't even expect. So mm-hmm. I like to use it where, uh, you know, somebody's coming from the back. Yeah. Not not everything is on the stage. And so for me, everything has to be completely different than the norm. Like, I don't have a lot of singing. I, I will have people that, you know, that sing. Because, like, Kia surprised me that first show she was in, and I, I called her to sing. And she said, I don't know if I want to sing, but I got a, I got a poem. And, you know, <laughs> But then from that, you know, from that one, you know, it just kind of, you know, like, you know, blew up. I, did, I never knew that her talent was that great in mm-hmm. regards to poetry as well. Um, but everything just has to, for me, it has to be different. What's going to separate when people will leave here, they want to say, wow, I remember that one part. And I think that's another part of my inspiration is what is it that you're going to remember? And did it bring some kind of redemption to you? And so that's how I typically write, you know, the different productions that yeah, I do. Yeah, I don't know. Shelby, do you, do you have anything you want to say? Because I know you wrote your play. It was a while ago, but because I don't know what inspired you for that. It was, I don't remember. At I, I'm kind of in the same vein as you, Kia. Like I, I always have storytelling is a, is a major part of, of my artistic practice and all of the different like things that I do. But with with the first, it was a one act that I that I finished. It's the only stage play that I that I finished. Um, I've written like scenes and things that I have finished, and some I have had performed, like in in, in undergrad. Yeah, that one act I, I finished in high school, and I I don't remember what had inspired me to to do that one. Basically, it. it it follows the personifications of multiple different religions and and mm-hmm. their kind of relationships and disagreements and how they kind of interact. And I think I, I really dig uh, and all of my work, a little bit of surrealism 
and but while also really focusing on 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 interpersonal relationships and kind of broadcasting maybe thoughts and feelings that we might have in different characters or in different situations. So I think I wanted to kind of marry something that was a maybe, a, I mean, it still can be kind of a, a hot, hot topic, but make it, you know, so that we see each other a little bit more. And I think that that was really, I don't know if that was what inspired me, but that was what I was trying to do. I think for the most part, it was successful. Yeah. And I mean, I had a phenomenal actors who and again we were all in in high school and we we had to we had to do everything from from the lights to the seat the set to the costumes ourselves which again that's not how it usually happens you have someone who does the lights and so um that was that was an interesting I'm glad I had that experience however I, I definitely have to give it to to the actors because um I will never forget my acting teacher and and director he told me once you know once you write something it is out of the writer's hands and you pass it off to the director then it's not yours anymore really mm -hmm. it's what the director does with it and then once the director passes it off to the actors it's the actor and you kind of have to and there's something really really cool about that communal process of, of of making something which is just another magical thing about live performance in live and in writing for stage that I don't know that you get in, in other mediums of, yeah. of art and storytelling, which is mm -hmm. cool. Yeah, I think that's a great lead into one of my next questions around how you develop the characters, because as you said, Shelby, you have to give it to the actors to do or and, and I guess in all almost well, you didn't act in your play, but I know you guys act in your plays or mm -hmm. are part of it. But so when you're developing characters, do you have like someone in mind you want to be that character or you develop just out of this is this is how I want this character to be? Um, for me, most of the times um, I do have who I would want to play the particular role. And then a lot of times I do cold reads and uh -huh. I have, you know, the cast come out and read for all the parts. And so what's the cold read? Maybe just so people who aren't in the field. Oh, well, <laughs> you pretty much just present them the script and they will read for all parts. Oh, okay. Um, and then I, you know, capture a little video and sit down with my daughter who helps me a lot of times um, and another young lady and we kind of see hey I thought she would be good to be the protagonist of the play but maybe not maybe she'll be good for like a little smaller role so we go over it that way but most of the times I do have in mind who I would want to play part I would say mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so yeah and, and, you know likewise all of the all of the skits that I do a lot of them are either poets mm -hmm. or somebody that's kind of like funny, mm -hmm. you know, or somebody. I mean, I've even chosen people that I had a, a praying part and I knew that she was a prayer warrior. And so I kind of choose depending upon whatever, you know, skit that I'm, um, I'm going to do and that, you know, so. Yeah. So, so mine is not as in, intense, you know, because I kind of know everybody's particular skill set on what, you know, what I'm trying to bring out. Yeah, so. Yeah. I also think it's important to, to, to put out there just for, I don't know, any aspiring actors who might be listening. I think with casting, it's really, it, it can really come down to like, like James was saying, like, okay, 
this person, I know what they, right. this is the character right. that they play. Right. So, and I, oh, what is it called? And, and when you are a professional actor, you do have like a type that it's like, oh, I tend to play mm -hmm. like the villain type characters or I tend to play a mother type characters. There is, you know, people do kind of fall into types. So sometimes it just, you know, is like this person has yeah. has the, the particular type that, that they're looking for. And that's not to say that like, again, that you're not a good actor or anything. It's just sometimes like people have specific types that they fall into in, into that work for specific characters. And, and I, will, I will say this, um, for instance, exactly what Shelby was saying, Kia's sister, uh, Karita, from her from the first play until now, the roles that she has played, like her stage presence is like this off the off the chain. Mm -hmm. And so when I even look at her, it's like a no brainer for me to say that's step one for that particular role. Just because because, you know, when somebody has like that stage presence, it's like they just get lost in whatever it is. So uh, like when Kia and her sister, if they're doing a scene together, that's going to probably be a powerful scene because both their stage presence. Whereas you may have somebody that their stage presence is not as great. They, they're pulling it off and it's great for what it is that that particular role. But there's just certain individuals that, you know, that's the one that you have to get for that particular, you know, role or assignment mm -hmm. for that scene. Because some people will just tear a scene, just tear it up. <laughs> um, and you're like, you know, wow. But in the same sense, you have another person that will tear it up. But their stage presence is not as powerful but yet you know i'm not I'm, if you guys understand what I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm and i'm trying i'm trying to remember back when i when i was writing my one act if i wrote for anyone specifically um i would think because when um i can't only think he, he was your prom date i feel like that was written oh, for him <laughs> yeah mark Mark Johnson, and actually he's, he is really, you know, we we don't talk all, all too much, but, you know, we follow each other on Instagram and, and all of that. And he is really, you know, he's an actor and he's still, you know, really grinding and, and putting into the work. And he does the TikTok and, and Instagram and all of that. Um, and he does a lot of spoken word and poetry. And yes, he played Christianity in my one act. And just... It, excellent. He, I mean, I, I really, I don't know if I had written it for, was it? No. Did he play Christian? Who did he, he did, play? He did play Christianity. Yeah. He played Christianity. And yeah, it just, I, and I think it, it, and again, I, I was sitting working with my director and we were like working through casting and because we kind we did kind of know everyone, but there were certain like through the casting process where people we thought were going to be like, oh, this one's definitely going to be, you know, it, it, it ended up, we, we, we did go into a different direction than what we, we thought we were going to. And then I, again, I will not, my, my cast, I, I just give them total props because I, I think all of their personalities um, and their energies, their stage presence right. and how they interacted with each other was so good that I don't think any other combination of actors would have done what I was trying to do as well. I want to just throw, and, and I guess when I have these kind of forums, I do think about things when it comes to casting. Um, sometimes we talk about 
certain movies and like why did they pick that person when they have not like they could have picked somebody closer to I hate to bring up the Nina Simone movie don't that, do it I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna go off I'm so, no I'm so upset like now I'm in a bad mood <laughs> I'm sorry but, but that, the, the point I was trying to make you talk about um, I guess being diverse in your casting and looking at people not just look but also thoughts uh, what they can bring to the character so do you do you think about that when you're casting, you know, at all, trying to make sure you don't just you look at everything, I guess, and, and what you're trying to show? I think it's hard when they are biopics because you expect that they should pick somebody who sort of looks like or has some of the right. features like mm-hmm. the person to pull it off. But if you're a really good actor. No, you know. absolutely. I I have to interject <laughs> here. If you are. There, there is, I don't think there is an excuse. If you are playing, like we'll use the example you brought up, Nina Simone, there is no excuse for you to choose an actress who is light-skinned, thin, and conventionally beautiful. There is no reason, because that then is grounded in anti-blackness and colorism and fat phobia and racism. You can't, you, because again, like you could literally, I could pick up James and throw him and hit a, 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 a black actor who, who, who would be able to fulfill that role. And I think we, was it, was it in a podcast that we, another bro- podcast that we brought this up? Viola Davis, I mentioned her earlier. She could have easily done that, mm-hmm. that role. And she's a, she's a big known, fabulous actor. Mm-hmm. Like there. I was going to say, but that, does Viola Davis sing? But I don't know that Zoe, whatever her name sings. I don't know how they did that, but anyway. But yeah, like, no, if you have to go through the, the, the entire process of like putting someone in blackface and giving them a nose prosthetic and putting them in um, a wig so that their hair can will be a natural, you know, that that would match Nina Simone's texture. That's just that's not just lazy on the part of the casting director, but that says explicitly to me, we don't like dark skinned black women here, mm-hmm. and that's a problem. It's like when like a lot of white actors are given, and I see, we just see this a lot with like Asian characters and Asian roles. Um, like Scarlett Johansson is one of them. She's <laughs> actually on Instagram. One of my friends from high school, Devin, um, who is Asian, she posted like a meme or something that was like, list your top 10 or your, your top three favorite Asian actress actresses. And they put Scarlett Johansson at the top as like a joke <laughs> because she's always playing an Asian role. And it's like, why? <laughs> There's no reason for you to be playing that role. Sorry, I had to rant about that because I just feel yeah, it really like was my fault. Yeah. I, it just it, there's no in, in situations like that, because there are roles where it's like it's not, you know, it doesn't have anything to do do with race. But if it's a specific like if like if it's specifically like for for in my st- at one act, there was no like anybody could be anything. Anybody can be any religion. It didn't matter. But if you have a character and someone's playing Nina Simone. Get someone that looks like Nina Simone. Right. Yeah. 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 Right. yeah. yeah. All right. I'm done. Politics in my <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, so. But I mean, there. You know, I, I just say there's certain characters. Although there's also makeup because I know one in seasons you had older characters, younger characters. But I think some of your younger actresses played older mm-hmm. characters, if I remember correctly, Nakia. Mm-hmm. Or they had wigs or things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah. Make, yeah. In season. Mm-hmm. Well, I might. I think I had my niece. She was playing like a, maybe like a young teenager. And she's like twenty something. Yeah, so you had <laughs> older people playing it. Yeah. You can say we beat on age. So that yeah. whole char- that whole character development, characters picking, casting, it, it can't be easy. And, and listen, I, listen, and I, I shout out kids for, for that play because I think she had that's a lot to juggle. I think for the first play you had what nineteen? I think she had for nine. The very first play, I just had like nine. Yeah, nine. <laughs> nine. But when she went up to nineteen, uh, <laughs> nine, 19 people in the cast. And doing everything yourself, yeah. and you know, and not you know having this person do this. I think that you know she handled that very well. So that that that's a pretty big cast, even even for you know like top, even Tyler Perry plays, mm-hmm. you know, have less than nineteen. So to be able to be the writer, yeah. the director, and to act in it, that that's a lot. And to be able to say that uh, mm-hmm. those plays were successful. It, in addition to that, yeah, that, you know, that definitely is, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's big. And yeah, that's a perfect lead into my next question about how you do it, because in Shelby's case, it was in high school, so they made their little black box theater. She didn't have to pay for rent. All right, you know, but I know seasons, you actually had like in the black box, downtown Philly, amazing. So, you know, how do you, how do you get, how do you get that? How do you? How do you, you know, put that all together? I mean, we talked about selecting a cast, but it's a process, right? You know, mm-hmm. getting a venue, getting... Oh, yeah. Well, after I did the first play, they called her Moses. I did a stage character theater. I mean, really, I had to, like, give James some credit, too, because he got on my nerves every year. Like, what he's going to put on the play? And I'm like, oh, I'm going to get to it. I've never done it before. I mean, just the fear of even doing it, but... Finally, you know, I got to doing it. But yeah, I just stepped out and mm-hmm. Google is your best friend. I started looking up <laughs> different venues and just deciding um, the capacity I would want to present this production to. So I did decide to go downtown Walnut Street Theater. And that, that just was a capacity of 100, but I did two shows in one day, I remember. Wow, so, that must have been tiring. <laughs> it, it was. And I, I, I don't know why I put all that on myself, but it is great excitement I get from it, though. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the cast members are from where I work. Oh, and wow. I would just find you singing in the hallway or, you know, <laughs> just knowing your personality. It's just really, hey, would you want to act in a play? And if you're teachable, then because I don't have theater experience. Wow. Like, I don't have a degree in theater or anything, but... Well, did you, were you in plays like in high school or? Absolutely not. Because wow. <laughs> I was too shy in high school to do anything. Wow. I did take some acting classes in Temple. It's, I think for me, it was just something like, I know I could do this. <laughs> it just was moving past the fear. I, were, I was in other plays and had leading roles. And it just was always in me like, I know I can do this. I know I can direct. I know, you know, I just, it's just. Something in me, I thought I, I, I believed I could do, and then I just stepped out and just did it. <laughs> so, but yeah, I just really just searched venues or maybe a play I had attended myself. I would just call the venue, set up a meeting time, mm-hmm. and then I just move. I would just move forward, and whatever it took to raise the money, that's what I would do. If it's selling T-shirts, um, <laughs> um, you know, that's just what I would do. I have to um, 
I wanted to interject here just to go back because I did look it up because I wanted to make sure I was saying the right thing. Mm-hmm. Mark played Judaism in, oh. in my play because I remember mm-hmm. the guy who played Christianity, his name was, was is Curran, and he was kind of, he, and again, because I think I was going in, I think that's what it was, expecting Mark to play Christianity just because of how coming from, I think, maybe a, a black church experience. And, and Mark Johnson is a young black man who is very much, I think, like James and just his, his, his spoken word is out, out of, off the chain. But, but we, he, he took Judaism because in, in my, in, in my one act, Judaism was like the, the eldest and he played it like it just worked very well for for that character and then for christianity (laughs) he was kind of comedic relief because mom i don't know if you remember current but he was like this kind of like kind of preppy white guy and he played it very much in that oh yeah and he had like he had like his tie clip and he was he was very he played it in a very specific way and so again in casting it could have we really could have put Mark in the Christianity role, but just it was more powerful to have them in, in those different roles. Not that that Christianity was a comedic, totally comedic relief character, but they both picked their energies were just so good that it fit very well. And then working together, their energies worked very well in those in those instances. So. Yeah, now I remember, yeah. That was such a fun experience. Did you, did you have that filmed? No, oh. it was not filmed. Mm-hmm. I, at least I don't, I actually now, I would need to to ask my director, he's no longer at, at my school, but I would need to go back and ask because now that I think about it, it may have been, I but I don't remember. I would CDs because if it was, I would have it because I have like every... Thing you're you were in or did so. but yeah I also have to I also have to name drop since we're talking about this Deja Bradshaw who played Islam she's a fabulous act actor a wonderful singer an amazing advocate I'm sure you can like I believe she has an Instagram but yeah she was again all of the people who I chose I, I picked them especially because they were like their monologuing skills mm-hmm. powerhouses so so yeah, casting is is can surprise you. It is interesting. I had to make sure that I was saying the right thing since we're putting it out there. Yeah, I'm sorry, I forgot. That's what came to mind too. But um, yeah, so I know via Shelby talked a little bit about setting it up, but when you're doing it yourself, and in the case of James and the Kid, you wear multiple hats. Like, how do you how do you manage wearing those multiple hats? And when do you have to say, I have to let some of these hats go? <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, for, for me, I do try to um, look at my circle and see what strengths mm-hmm. each individual has. Like my daughter, she went to a performing arts high school, so mm-hmm. she would be the stage manager for a lot of the uh, theater productions they would put on. So I, I would mm-hmm. bring her in as the stage manager. And a good friend of hers, Ricky, Harley, she directed a lot of the plays, so I would bring her on. And, and well, I do have a, a, a good friend that I work with, Yolanda. Um, she's just awesome with costumes and okay. fashion, and that's just her area. That's what she loves to do. So I brought her on as a costume designer. So I did try to delegate, 
And just being new with the experience, I had to really kind of like, you know, Kia, sit down. Like, <laughs> you don't have to go and get that actor right. over there because they're not ready. I did find myself doing that. And then my daughter afterwards, she would, you know, kind of like, mom, you did too much. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. so you just want everything to work. But, you know, I, I learned a lot mm-hmm. from each play. Like, you can you really have to when I forget who said it, but when you turn you said it, when you turn it over, mm-hmm. you're the writer, it's theirs after that. So I did have to learn that. Right. I, I had to learn that. So I might have wore those multiple hats on purpose. <laughs> but you know, along the way I did have helping hands. The first play, I you know, I did I just kinda like, all right, I'm just gonna do it all. <laughs> what a great experience for for your mm-hmm. daughter and her her friends um to I mean because I and I hope they they put that on their resume if that's what they decide to do you know Mm -hmm. if they really want to go on a theater like those are legitimate great experiences in live theater so that's awesome and they hit it right they hit it right on the nose her her daughter is like a a a, a no-nonsense you know she's not gonna say much but she's gonna make sure you're right in place and I think that that has helped Every production that kids put on, having her there was probably very crucial, Mm -hmm. you know. um, And so I think it's um, like she said, it's um, it's your circle Mm. that that you have and people that you trust to do different things. For me, it was always, like I said, it was easy because I I put on small uh, skits within the whole production. And so it wasn't as difficult. For me, I, I like everything to go the way it's supposed to go because mm-hmm. um, I get a little frustrated and I get a little, you know, frazzled when it when it doesn't. But I was, you know, led to the conclusion that, you know what, it's going to be what it's going to be. Yeah. Um, like I've had somebody call out like maybe like 20 minutes before the show started and said that uh, they wasn't going to be there. Mm. And, you know, and I got a little upset, but then I got to it. That's the most stressful thing is when you have somebody that don't that don't show or running late or within mm-hmm. a week or so of that particular show that they're, you know, because then now you have to shift some things. Um, but I, I, I learned, you know, what, you know, we're going to keep, you know, we're going to we're going to figure this out. And, and sometimes you have to do that on, you know, on a, on a fly. Do you guys do because I now we're, t- we're talking, you know, smaller productions, um, maybe black box productions. Do you guys at this point now in your careers have understudies or do you like if that just happens, you just figure you figure it out or do you you make you have someone in mind that you can call in? I have learned that it is important to understudy. So had I have them uh, with the prior stage plays? No, but moving forward, I think it is extremely important. (laughs) Because things do happen. Um, yeah, so it is extremely important. The last play I did, one of the cast members, um, she had something tragic that happened, like, I believe, like, the either the day before or the day of. Mm-hmm. She still decided to move forward, but, you know, just the thought of, wow, what if she was just too emotional to me? Yeah. You know, what would you, what would I have done? Like, but... So, yeah, it is extremely important to consider having understudies. Yeah, that's, that's something because I was, I was thinking about that when you first started. All right, you're pretty small. So, you know, mm-hmm. to say you can have an understudy for everything or maybe mm-hmm. I guess you could have people learn multiple parts, mm-hmm. you know, um, could be really, really difficult. Mm-hmm. 
So, so James, anything else you want to add from the standpoint of, I know Shelby mentioned, you, you put through smaller production. So support for you. I know your wife is very supportive of your, she acts too. She gets out there. So, <laughs> so let, me, let me address the acting part for Kamika. Kamika won't read the lines. <laughs> She, she would take, she, she's a very good uh, improv. So okay. what she does is she'll, you know, we would know. The, the only ones that she did is when we did kids, the last play where we actually had to study the words because we had to be, you know, just in unison with one another mm. uh, on, on the very beginning. Was that the I Am Moses? Was that? No, it was, um, was, it, was it, it was just the beginning part of season. Okay, yeah. And so she, that's the only, that's the only play that she's ever literally studied and, <laughs> and, and got right but anything else that we would do um in in the, our different productions long as she know where we're trying to go with that because if she if she missed the line she gonna keep going and you will probably never know, you know? <laughs> um, so no, she doesn't like she doesn't She's like to study improv- um, she doesn't like to look at the, the script you will have to tell her this is where we're going with it <laughs> you know but uh, but other than that i think the the smaller productions like i said is, is a series of you know, the ones I put on is a series connected all together with, you know, with the, with the purpose of, you know, um, you know, what's what's the outcome uh, spiritually. You mm-hmm. know? So. Uh, so, yeah. So that's what I think that's really cool that, you know, it, it, I mean, every, you know, writer, director, what have you has different ways of like putting on a show. And also I think it really is helpful when you know the actors personally and yeah. you can, yeah, that's really cool that that, that your wife is, is really great at improv and can it can do that because again, thinking back and even in, in, in undergrad when I had some different scenes that, you know, I, I cast and had friends, you know, performing. It's really cool to just like sit back and to be like, yeah, you guys, you know, mm-hmm. take it where you're gonna take it. So that that is a really awesome thing. I mean, it is can be hard to like, just let <laughs> let things go and like take a step back from, from your work. But then it also is exciting because then you can really see it come alive. You have people take that personal. You have some writers that take it personal. Yeah. When th- these are their words on a, on, you know, on paper. And when somebody kind of goes off script, I don't know how you feel, you know, uh, you know, kid. It, when it's off script, you're like, man, they just, you know, mess up, you know, mess up. Like, I don't have any problem if if you're like flowing with it, but if you like chop it up, whatever, you know, that, <laughs> yeah. that's when I kind of like. Oh. It's a balance, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, you know, so. Yeah, no, that is true. So I think that it would be good to get to like, you know, we talked a little bit about, you know, getting it together, casting, um, inspiration. But I'm wondering, you know, after a play has been done, what do you hope the audience receives from the play and what do you get out of it after it's done? I think, Nikia, you alluded to it a little bit that it It brings you joy in a way. It does. It does. Well, a lot of um, the stage plays that I wrote do have a message. I don't know if I'm if I'm talking about fathering you, where I'm talking about um, mm-hmm. what my experiences was as a child mm-hmm. growing up with a father that was physically there but not active in my life. I would hope that someone in the audience that may have went through that same thing can see how to overcome that and how to get through that. Mm-hmm. A lot of my plays also talk about um, the spiritual aspect of it, how God is the head and the source of my life and what he has healed me from. I think I've shared a little bit about surviving breast cancer in my stage plays. 
So I would hope that they just receive the message that I'm relaying in the play. And for the most part, it it's, seems that's what's happening <laughs> when I look out into the audience and I see the, the laughter and mm. those intense stares or, you know, so I think I'm just, you know, doing what I'm supposed to do. With yeah, but it, it's exciting. It's exciting just to, even the cast, a lot of my cast members, they're not like the years of acting. They're just teachable individuals. <laughs> so to see how excited they are to get in front of an audience and just as nervous as I am, but really successful at what they're doing, mm-hmm. that, that that just gives me great joy. So mm-hmm. Yeah, when you're in your lane, there's no better feeling. Mm-hmm. And and to say that in the spiritual realm is when when you know that God has you specifically in your lane and you're fulfilling what it is that He's that He has you doing mm-hmm. or have have you doing that feeling alone of saying I'm doing your work mm-hmm. in in the arts. There's no better feeling. And I have I have a, uh, in social media it's like a it's, it's a twofold. Definitely you get the audience you know uh, you know reaction, um, but. When I had the pastor, I think the first production that I did in the pastor, when he looked at me, he got on stage and he said, this is what God has you doing. Mm-hmm. And they've reached people that a pastor couldn't reach from the pulpit. Mm-hmm. And I understood what, uh, when I understood what he was saying, I said, I'm in my lane. And the second one was um, um, when, when a uh, stage play came to Louisa, uh, how they received this play. Um, you know, so you, so you got you got a kid and like seven hundred people coming down from Philly. <laughs> uh, you know, you know they they came down trying to get this you know all, everything together, but there was a big load on me to be able to say, man, they coming down. Mm-hmm. I need these people from the Weezer to come out, and they came out. And when they came out, and to see the reaction, and to see to this day, that was what three years ago, two years ago, this is about three years ago. Yeah. People are still asking about that play. And when I go into this theater, they remember this play. They wow. remember her name. But the biggest thing that came out of that was the fact that they came and they said that that was the first African-American play to be on that stage mm-hmm. in Louisa. Wow. And that meant, yeah. <laughs> that, that meant everything to me. Mm-hmm. And so I think that when, when you get responses like that, and you understand that you've made an impact, not only the impact on how good the play was, but the impact of being a first. Yeah. The impact of people still talking about something three years later. <laughs> that right there alone says, you know what? What what has just transpired was was supposed to be. Right. Because um, I remember when Kia said, all right, she said, I'm, I'm going to come on down with you. <laughs> And when she says she's gonna do it, I'm like, oh man. So I got I got scared because I'm like, ooh, that's a lot of pressure on me because these country folk, I don't know. Um, but people came and was buying tickets, just you know, uh, like, hey, you know, I'm coming, I'm coming. And so you know, and even the last month, I had talked to the guy and he asked, whenever y'all want, uh, whenever y'all want to do another play, we got live streaming now. And so they're still looking for something. But they would not have been looking for something had they not experienced what they mm-hmm. experienced. And so that grad, that was like pay, payment enough. That mm-hmm. was payment enough. And sometimes, you know, kind of, in, again, in the same vein of like, you know, things are kind of out of your hands and in the audience hands, you know, after, you know, the the curtain comes goes down and the lights come back up and they take what they're going to take away with it. Because I remember 
I was sitting outside of my high school after the the end of the one act has been performed and I was talking with my stage manager and someone came up to us and he said something along the lines of, well, you know, such and such character, they're just young, they'll learn. And I was like, oh, this man completely missed the point. (laughs) (laughs) And so that was really a learning thing for me because, and I knew that it had been successful and that I was getting good positive feedback from the actors and, you know, people had come, but that there, there's always still going to be somebody that maybe just doesn't get it. And that's okay. You can't, you can't please everybody always or, you know, and learning that I think as an artist was really important to know that, you know, sometimes people aren't going to take what you want away from it. And that, you know, that is being okay with that. Yeah. And when you have that thought pattern, you can move so much more free. Mm-hmm. You, you're not yeah. held down yeah. by other people's opinion because yeah. everybody's going to have an opinion. Mm-hmm. Some people, I write books. Some people are not going to like a, a certain page. Others will. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you're able to have that strength of being able to say, this is what's supposed to be there, you know, you can just kind of take that on that chin. I think, and that's a hard point to learn yeah. as you're getting... That you mature into that. Mm-hmm. I think that anything that you do, and just in life, period, right, you mature into not being held, you know, by that, you know, being bound by other what other people say. Um, and my aunt used to tell me, she said, "Listen, you rather for uh, 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 what does she say? Don't be mad. Let don't get God mad. Forget people. Mm-hmm. Do what God told you to. You know, do what God told you to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and so." Yeah, so it's a maturity thing. Yeah, that's the thing, though, about performing in creative arts. You can't, you're right, you can't please everybody. Someone might not like your genre, or they may not like this or that. But, you know, I think the greater amount of people that you touch, you know, for the, you know, for the one person who has an issue or doesn't get it, nine other people did and enjoyed it. Because so. laughter is contagious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If, if, if you have somebody right next to you just start cracking up about something that just happened, <laughs> it, 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 kind of, it kind of follows. And so, yeah, that's, yeah. you know. Um, and so most of the, uh, all of the plays that Kia did, you can kind of get a good gauge on the audience. And when you yeah. see how they're flowing and reacting, you're like, yeah, that's, that's right. Yeah. So, yeah. I, this conversation is reminding me. I'm not like a big, I'm not a very emotional like person as far as like consuming media. That's just not who I am. However, I will say that speaking of Lin Manuel Miranda, some people hate him for some reason. Like people, you know, get up in arms about Lin Manuel Miranda. Most people are like, oh, yeah, this guy's cool. You know, but then some people, I think because he is, he, was so popular they're just like shut up about Lin-Manuel Miranda but whatever so again it's like you know no matter what not everybody's going to be pleased but I remember um there was on on Disney plus there was like a thing like about Hamilton there wasn't the show it was like after the show they interviewed the actors and they had they had this one segment where it was just a bunch of like kids like maybe I'd say the youngest was like four or five through high school kids like singing a song and talking about Hamilton and just and I remember it for the first time in my life and I don't even know if it'll ever happen again honestly because again it's not the kind of person I am I cried tears of joy because I was like man as a child who was an arts kid and who was a theater kid and who 
went through a period of being very unhappy. I was like, man, these kids, because the arts kids, the theater kids, we're not the cool kids. We aren't. They have this community. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, that is so awesome. Yeah. And that's so like, he, he, he was successful just because of that. Wow. No matter whatever, what anybody else says, or that these kids had this community, have this community now. No, I think it is definitely um, a a community when it comes to artists, Mm -hmm. any type of art, if it's performing or writers or just Mm -hmm. the fact that, you know, James and, you know, your friends, Mm -hmm. your playwriting and your creativity, it brings, Mm -hmm. you know, people together, you know, and then, you know, I'm just like the fan of everybody. But um, yeah, so one, one, just just a little bit about the nuts and bolts around finances, just so people have an idea, you know, because we get this maybe example from something very small to something big. What kind of like financing do you need to do a play? You know, I, I think I also like to give people some practical things. I think we've brought out the fun part that, you know, use your, you know, you're acting, your friends and all that, but you have to have some dollars. <laughs> so, and I guess it also would depend on if you're doing a black spot thing versus, you know, I know we've done, you know, you guys do some things at churches and things like that, but even so, what kind of budget range are you looking at? <laughs> well, I, I feel like do you, it might not, I feel like you could make it work if, even if you don't have a, a yeah. Now you start off, you start off with it, it. Once you find a venue, I think that's your base starting of figuring out. So if you're looking at, you see a venue that's five hundred dollars, mm-hmm. then that gets you to t- that takes you to a place of okay, if I got to pay five hundred dollars for that, mm-hmm. then I can sell the tickets for that, right. um, and then once I can sell the tickets for that, then you'll say okay, I'll break even if mm-hmm. say. 20 people came, mm-hmm. but, it, but the theater holds, say, 100 or 200. Mm-hmm. And, and so you'll start to kind of, you know, um, you just doing your math based off of the center of right from the gate, what, what is your, you know, the, the venue and then everything else is, you know, coming. That's where you'll add all your expenses. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I was blessed the first few because I was. Uh, it was like a barter, a barter for me. Uh, the first <laughs> Negotiation the is important. <laughs> so I knew that the old church had a stage and everything. And, um, and I, I just said, well, listen, we'll come and we'll fix the stage up if you allow us to use the stage. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so we did two shows there. And I think that um, the theater in the Weezer was the, the one that I had. To, uh, oh, well, I had one in a big restaurant. And a, and a deal with that restaurant was I said, if I can get 75 people in here, they'll buy your food. And so they just opened the door. So they made their money and I didn't have to put out. And so, you know, it's different things like that. But as far as a big budget, Kia might be able to, you know, <laughs> because she's put on, a, you know, um, you know, these big uh, productions, you know, that require that. Yeah, well, no, this is good because I wanted to get the range because if you're just starting out, I love the idea of negotiation and bartering. <laughs> you have a lot of, you'd be amazed at how many people will say, well, wait a minute they're bringing mm-hmm. 200 people in here. And so, you know, you, you'd be amazed at how many people will say, you know, they're not going to charge you because they know that they're going to capitalize off of it. And, and I've actually this uh, spoken word shows mm-hmm. 
um, at different places that will be able to say, oh, okay, yeah, we, we you know, yeah, we good. You bring those people? All right, you know, we good. And that's where I started. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I haven't had that experience. <laughs> <laughs> I pretty much have to just research the venue and determine uh, the capacity. Well, the number of audience that I want to put on this production for. So, um, the first stage play I at the Stage Practice Theater in Chestnut Hill, I had went to a play there. So I love the theater. So I just reached out. I mean that that theater was it was under a thousand. I think it was like I don't know seven eighty or something okay. like that. So it's not too crazy when you yeah, think about it. If it's in your budget, you're like, okay, I can handle that. Now by the time I got to my third theater, James, you remember I wanted to reach a larger audience, <laughs> right? Because I felt like, hey, I did seasons and I did two shows and they practically sold out. I can reach a larger audience. So this particular uh, theater was over two grand, so that was a larger um, theater, but. It was a beautiful theater. Um, but I did also did fundraising with that. I mean, I had my own funds, and then I did a lot of fundraising towards the end. But for the most part, as far as props and things like that, um, I use what I have. Okay. So <laughs> so if it's um, just grandma's house, then I'm, you know, I pulled the sofa out of my basement. You know, I did things like that. A lot of the costume designing, because uh, when Mama Prey stage played, the, the cast were all elderly women, so I needed some. Yeah. You know, I went to like the secondhand store and, you know, I already had a bunch of wigs. So pretty much using what you have. But... So how do you, when you have a bigger venue, like, mm-hmm. do they give you and their price? Do you have to pay for rehearsal time? Because you have to stage it out, right? Right. Rehearsal time, um, I pretty much had in my home. Okay. okay. A lot of the cast members were not strangers to me. I, I knew them. I worked with them. So I opened up my home for rehearsal time. And we did do an actual um, rehearsal on that day of production. Right. I just, I think the play started about five, I forget. But we were in there about 10 a.m. And and that's not unusual because I I will say that you, there are you don't really get on the stage to rehearse. I don't know about Broadway because I've never been on Broadway or whatever. But mm-hmm. local like smaller theaters, theaters in in Philly and 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 high school, you don't you're not on the stage until shortly before the the show is open. The show mm-hmm. opens. Um, usually you're in a in a back room and you mark everything off in the way that it's going to be marked off on the stage. So that way you're not occupying the stage until you absolutely have to. There is a theater, Venice Island Theater section. They also they do have space that you can rent. Okay. So I did use that space for rehearsal sometimes. Um, it was a very small minimum amount. I think it was like fifteen dollars a week or something like that. Mm-hmm. It wasn't crazy, um, but they did allow you to, that room. But like she said, the stage was right next to the room, but they didn't really allow you to practice on the stage. Okay. But yeah, I just want to point this dynamic out. Mm-hmm. So um, the humble beginning. So um, when you pay for a stage, I think you say like seven or something, and then you get another stage for like two thousand dollars, but the more you do it, the more you grow. 
the more your following comes. So the right. more that, you know, you can charge for the tickets. And so it accommodates even as you get bigger. And I can only imagine like Tyler Perry and and some of, you know, some of these other playwrights. And so it accommodates. So it, it may seem like a big price, but the more, you know, the more you're actually doing it and your followings, uh, you know, come up, you know, you can accommodate that that bigger price because you're going to accommodate more, you know, more people. Mm-hmm. Plus, you're, you're you're known a little more, and I and I believe that to to, to have happened, if if I'm not mistaken. I don't know that I have a following. <laughs> like, he has a following. I, yeah. I don't know that I have a following. I don't know. And with my ticket prices, I pretty much stayed in the same price bracket. I didn't you think know. so? I did. I I think for they called her Moses. I think the tickets were thirty. By the time I got to the third one, it was a, a larger theater, but I, they were still 35. <laughs> I kind of stayed in the same bracket, but... I mean, that's I great because, I mean, I think some people shy away from theater because it's so expensive. I know because Shelby, as she always says, as a theater kid, like I would like, okay, I'm going, this is part of Shelby's excitement. I would try to get the ticket packages for the, you know, Kimmel Center. And it'd be like, oh man, we don't want to see all these shows, but it's cheaper if we do these shows. (laughs) But I mean, it's it's not, it's expensive. And I think that may hinder people. So if you... Just the fact that you say, oh, well, we kept the prices at 35 You go to the Kimmel Center, forget it. Everything yeah. is over $100, wherever you're sitting it at. <laughs> you know. and, that, and now we're, you know, and this can be another episode, you know, get into the conversation, which I've brought up before, about accessibility in the arts. Because on one hand, the arts, actors, directors, writers, these are actual legitimate professions and people should be paid for the work that they do. However, we are also, you know, living in a world where there's this misconception that the arts are only for a certain group of people and certain venues make it very difficult for people in different brackets to come and experience this art, which in, in my, I'm, I am very passionate about arts and, and literature um, and music being cornerstones of community. So it, it definitely is a, a very com- compl- complicated topic that I don't think, I think COVID kind of, it helps because a lot of things were digital and free. Now I noticed like a lot of museums were doing free like online exhibitions, like they would show things around. A lot of festivals were streamed and broadcasted and whatever. However, I feel like now we things died down talking about, well, like, well, things open up again or just, you know, those same people who have, who were able, able to go, are they just going to be able to go to like the museums now again? So it's, it's, um, it may, I think COVID may, and that was sort of a question I had, but I think COVID may open it up to more people because I think just because things are opening up, I think they still will offer the video form or Mm -hmm. online streaming form that would allow to even open up to more people. And maybe I'm cynical. Again, my mom probably, you know, is going to roll her eyes at me. bring the salt to the podcast. Mm -hmm. I know that. But uh, we live in a capitalist society and big business and organizations are going to do what organizations are going to do. And that's make money. Mm-hmm. They're concerned about money. And as much as you want to hope that these institutions, these arts institutions are going to, you know, care about the art and making the art accessible, more often than not, 
It's about making making coin. It's about making that cash. So I'm less convinced that people are going to keep things free. Well, maybe not long. free, but I think there is more of a openness to have things in two ways. You pay more if you sit in the theater versus streaming it or something. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they'll they'll find a way to monetize that mm-hmm. and not take it away. I mean, even, you know, just in work in general, more work from home. Companies have learned that they probably need to be more flexible about work from home. Now, mm-hmm. if you want to be a smart company, you will be. If you don't, right. people right. may find other jobs where they have more that that ability to work from home. So mm-hmm. I think we could I think there's some learning there. I agree. It will be monetized in some way, but maybe it will be a cheaper option than, you know, going, sitting in the theater, you know, so. But um, I wanted to go back just a little bit about the protection, because I know when Shelby did her play, someone told me, oh, Shelby should get that copyrighted. So we went through the thing and we did it. So do you get your works copyrighted? Um or do you or do you feel okay? I mean, there's some people who do it or, or don't. I don't know. I think there's some protection to it, though. Well, for me, um, I don't have a lot of singing in the play, but there's some singing in the play, and I, I'm a songwriter. Right. So I do get my work copy written because of the songs that's in it. Right. So for that reason, I do. I think with the first production, I didn't. Mm-hmm. No, I, I, I don't. Okay. I, I haven't because I haven't, you know, did anything to to that magnitude to be able to say I need to really, you know, uh, you know, copyright, you know, like 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 my poems. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess my poems will be copyrighted mm-hmm. uh, because they're they're, they're in being a book. book, yeah. And so I don't think somebody can say, oh, well, I'm still this, you know, mm-hmm. this this particular, you know, poem. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but uh, in the future, probably definitely, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. No, I was, you was about to say. I- I think you should get your stuff copy copyrighted, and I, I think your stuff is still well. well right. Interestingly, I mean, I haven't did a production. The last productions I've been doing it was with uh, with Kia, so I haven't put on a big, you know, production probably in a, in a, in a couple years, and so um, that may be, you know, why. But looking for that to change, hopefully, in between. This well, I mean, year. yeah, I, things yeah. are starting to to, to open up, and mm-hmm. so. It's kind of wild that really COVID hit, especially theater, so, so hard. So I, I'll, I'll be excited to be able to go out and see some shows again. And they're asking for it. And, and, that's yeah. the, and because they're asking for it, I think that is I think it will open up just because people are asking for, you, yeah. know, uh, you know, stage. And now I'm looking at like the NBA games now and they're almost at full capacity. So yeah. that's a good sign that. You know the, the arts will be you know coming back as well. Yeah, I think people do want to get out. I mean, just to be see those people on stage, even though we can watch stream things and watch things on video, it's just I don't it's know. It's different. just something about being yeah, in li- yeah, in a live so theater production that's just so joy- enjoyable. Just seeing people up on stage, I don't know what it is, and you just pick up the emotion, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. or singing or dancing. So it's great. So I want, as we wrap it up, I just wanted to see if you had some, you know, key points you could tell the people who want to write plays and if there's any particular references or if you, there's a favorite YouTuber you like or there's a favorite book that, that inspires you when, when it comes to this. You know, I always like to have something that people might or go away or take away message you want to say for people. Who, wow, I think I want to write a play. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? I mean, Tyler Perry is. His, his um, autobiography, 
autobiography is a good reference. And I would say with playwriting, if it's in you to really sit down and create these characters and create this dialogue, you have to do yourself a favor and put it out there. Mm. And don't think about who you don't know and what you don't have and all those things. Just think about what you do have. Think about what's in your circle. Think about who you know and move forward with that. And you just be surprised how it would touch someone. And you'd be surprised how many people actually would want to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what I have right. learned. I am right. not a big networker because <laughs> I still got this little introverted way about myself and a little bit extroverted. But <laughs> so I'm not really, really vocal, but. I've learned the times that I had opened my mouth, people really want to help. Mm-hmm. So I'm getting better, you know. I'm not all the way there, but <laughs> yeah, I'm not, like I go to networking events and don't even say anything. I'm just there to observe, but I'm getting better. <laughs> but I would say move forward with it. Yeah, and just, you know, get to talking to people. Would you be interested in helping out with, hey, just sending out a group text? every week for rehearsals Mm -hmm. things like that those little things help out would you be interested in helping me just make some phone calls to different venues Mm -hmm. just all those things just think about you know who you know and what you have Mm -hmm. that's what i would say yeah and i would say yeah definitely stay away from negative people that will tell Mm -hmm. you that will tell you oh you've never done that before and so you want to surround yourself with you know positive people that even if they know that you haven't did anything before mm-hmm. that they would encourage you to just do it and so definitely the people that you're around and in, in your circle don't be bothered by the naysayers um mm-hmm. you know i think i said that a little earlier uh, the other thing is just right yeah mm-hmm. just right i don't care if uh, that sounds familiar <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> don't don't worry about putting it into the format just yet because you can you can learn how to format a play listen YouTube, Google, everything will show you how to format it into all your different acts. But just write your story. Because mm-hmm. once you actually have a story that you want to tell, mm-hmm. then you can say, okay, well, what does this look like now? And then you'll be able to kind of, you know, um, you know, just start your writing. So I would just say, just write, use your creativity um, to get your story on paper. Um, and then once you do that, it's going to be a whole lot, you know, easier. And what I, uh, we mentioned Tyler Perry, what I would say is to get you more encouragement, look at the, the end of Tyler Perry plays. Mm-hmm. And when you look at the end of his plays, um, some of his older plays, I'm not sure, you know, now, but they have the, um, you know, how he got everything set up, uh, mm-hmm. you know, how he's, you know, how he's directing. Um, and, and he just kind of, it's almost like a tutorial. Mm-hmm. For anybody that want to have a playwright, is to look at the end of the play. It is a couple. It's a couple playwrights. Jacarius Johnson, I think, as well too. And when you see how that moves and kind of like flows, it will give you an idea of, of this is what it actually takes to get to that you know point. I love looking at the end of uh, the, the end of the plays just to see how all those wheel, how, how all the wheels and those gears mm-hmm. you know worked. And so. Um, so, but that would be my, um, you know, my point of reference. But the biggest thing is just, just right, mm-hmm. just right, and never don't be distracted by. Uh, if if we, you ever imagine if we was to ever get distracted by everybody that said that you couldn't do it just because mm-hmm. you've never done something. Everything I've done, I've learned mm-hmm. on my own on the fly. Mm-hmm. I've learned writing a book on the fly. I didn't, ha- I didn't go to school, but it was just, you know what. 
I'm going to do it. I'm going to learn it. Even when I shot my first film, I never directed. I never mm. produced. I never uh, uh, cast. I never mm. did. I, I, did, I learned how to edit overnight. <laughs> and one guy, he showed me how to do it in like two hours. And he went to sleep at his house because he had to go to work. And I learned in less than 24 hours how to kind of work it now. Now, today is a little bit, I don't know if I had a magnitude now. But, <laughs> but, so everything I kind of like learned because you have to uh, determine if you have the desire, you know, you know, to do that. And so don't be afraid that if you don't know, you can get to know whatever it is that you want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of resources to be able to do that. So don't never, you know, don't fear because you've never done something. Some, some things you just got to, ju- you know, jump into. Well, mom, I see you have your pen ready because I have some things that I can put out there for people who are interested in playwriting or theater or what have you. Mm-hmm. For musicals, definitely check out. We've mentioned Lin-Manuel Miranda. I, I think... He, I do think he deserves the praise that he receives. Also, um, Stephen Songheim, I mentioned him already. He did Company and he did um, Into the Woods. If you're thinking about musicals and writing for musicals, his work in in writing like for for musicals is, is excellent. And then Andrew Lord Webber, Cats, Jesus Christ Superstar, Joseph and the Amazing, Amazing Color, Technicolor Dream uh, Coat, another great writer of musicals. And then for playwrights and specifically um, playwrights of color, we mentioned for Color Girls, Inozaki Shange, who's mm-hmm. one of my personal, you know, absolute favorite poets, writers, um, playwrights. Um, may she rest in power. She is one of my idols for color girls especially if you're a black woman i think that is a must read uh, august wilson he did fences and um, mary baraka or leroy jones um he did a play called dutchman these are all really a mary baraka he is a, a poet activist playwright his work is very con- can be kind of controversial yet the Dutchman, that play. Um, when was it? I, I looked it up because I wanted to make sure I got it right. It was written in 1964 or premiered, I think. But yeah, so that's another another good one uh, for good to dig your teeth into. And the one that um, James mentioned, I wrote down, Jacarius Johnson, is that it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah he has some pretty good plays. Uh, yeah. And, oh, David, oh, I'm sorry. David, David Talbert as well. David, David Talbert. Because I do, like, I do spend the time to put um, these links on so people to hear. Because, I mean, of course, Tyler Perry is very well known, I think. I, I think he's great. He just does so much for community and things like that. But people sometimes, you know, are negative about Tyler Perry because it's all oh, his stuff is the same. But I think he... he he, he has grown, I think, and he does a lot, you know. He set the standard. Yeah. I think that he set a standard of that you can do this. And so yeah. if, if you don't like, you know, if he's, you know, kind of in, in the same wavelength on, you know, you take his work ethic. Right. And, and add it to what it is that God has specifically for you. That's his lane. Right. Not, <laughs> not everybody's going to be built to, to be. A, a bill, I think he's a bill. Yeah, I think he hit that or five hundred. You know, but, but but anyway, that's his lane. Right. And so where God, you know, has you. And this is not to say that we too can't be these big billionaires and millionaires. But the lane that God, you know, has everybody in. You can take. You can look at his work ethic. Right. Look at his uh, perfection. You know, his, you know his perfection. 
and say, I, I need it. I need to pull that. And so I believe in pulling, pulling what's good from those that's already doing it. Absolutely. And when you pull from that, you know, that gives you an encouragement for, you know, for your own, you know, projects. Jordan Peele is another one. He, he, he writes for, for film, right. though, but um, he did, you know, Get Out and Us just to be. And I'm a big like I'm a kind of an alternative, alternative person. So I'm a big horror fan. And the, the horror uh, of film is one that I think black people have been kind of pushed out of more often than we're not. So I think Jordan Pill, um, his work um, and his writing is phenomenal. We'll have to do a separate one on film. Yeah. And then James can come back a third time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, uh, one last thing I do want to say is um, set an appointment for yourself. Mm, yeah. And that's the biggest thing on, on anything that you're going to do in regards to the arts. If you uh, work a nine to five and you, you know, it's only as many hours in a day, but if you say, let me just sit down for a half an hour and uh, write a paragraph or mm-hmm. write, about, write about a character or, you know, write about, you know, whatever it is that you're trying to do. But just be sure to uh, keep your own appointment yeah. Yeah. because that, that's, that's specifically for you and it's going to take you to that goal. So. Pinterest is another thing that I, I don't know. Pinterest. What is <laughs> Pinterest? It, I don't know if you guys use use that app. It's a website app, and it's basically like it's like having like a corkboard where you can just pin a bunch of different images or whatever up. A lot of people use it for like fashion and different stuff, but I use it for my characters and for world building. So for like one novel that I'm working on, every character has their own. Like the, the big board is the world and then each character has their own like section and you can just post like it's literally like Google. You can type into Google like Southern Gothic or type into Google, I don't know, uh, church aesthetic or whatever it is. And it, images will just come up and you can pin them to your board. And that has really helped me with world building. And as far as like me being able as a visual person to visualize this world that I'm trying to create and the characters and who they are and, and what they're into and different things like that. So that might be a resource for people who are interested in writing. I really enjoy it and it's free. So it's like a tool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, cool. Mm-hmm. Pinterest has a lot of nuances. <laughs> I always think of it like you find decorating ideas. Yeah, no, exactly. And I do find, I do find recipes on Pinterest too, but I also use it for my, my character study, so. Yeah, great. So this has really been uh, very informative. It, it, it hits on all my things, you know, mm-hmm. encourage, inform, inspire. Mm-hmm. So maybe some some people out here may, you know, go after their dream. I think what has been said is so true. You know, don't let other people hold you back from trying something, you know, mm-hmm. and doing it and going for it. You never know where, where you know, where you'll go with it, where God wants you to go with it. And um, mm-hmm. so that... So that's really amazing. And just, I mean, you two are a testimony of it. You know, you do your creative things. You work what is what is a typical nine to five and (laughs) have families. And, you know, I want to reiterate that. Set that time for yourself to be creative and and do those things. Fear fear not. Yes. Fear not. And I'll even go just to those words. And I can I can appreciate when the kids said I, I tend to be the same way. I'm a I'm an introvert who learns how to be an extrovert <laughs> when I need to be. I mean, and you'd be surprised how many actors mm-hmm. and artists are like, 
you know, you think, oh, you get out there and you're like on stage or you're doing, and you're like, right. you must be so extroverted. And it's like, no, most of us I just want to be left alone. But I don't know. It's, it's interesting to think about that. Like you wouldn't know that about kid on stage. Yeah, I know. There's no know. way you'd be able to say she's an introvert <laughs> no. when she's doing what she's doing on stage. Yes, yeah, definitely. You know? Definitely. I don't, I don't know if you still have anything online about any of your plays because I certainly can link them as well. Just mm-hmm. you, know, yeah, yeah. you really should have a website. I was about by to say now yeah. that like features your. I, <laughs> yeah, I do have a website, but uh, my husband he's the web designer, so it's it's done, but it's not completed <laughs> as linking. Yeah. Plug your book. <laughs> <laughs> is it is it on your um publishing? Say, is it done? Yeah. Okay. So I can link it to to that definitely because you know people do you know when I when I drop these all the references are there so you know that'll be good I'll make sure I link your book so people can learn more about you. So thank you and until next time, Shelby. We'll be doing this again next week. We have like three in a row (laughs) because of scheduling. But then we'll be done. Then we have a break. The audience won't know that because they'll still come out every other week, but we'll have a break. (laughs) Well, listen, I'm getting breakfast out of it, so I guess we can't complain. (laughs) I have to give my uh, people something. Until next time, stay safe, well, and be blessed. Bye.